Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Welcome to the Investor Hot Seat. In this episode, six companies are in the hot seat with a distinguished panel of investor judges that are ready to turn the heat way up. Will any company gain an investor or will they go home with some good advice? Stay tuned to find out. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Investor Hot Seat. My name is Josh Kincaid. I'm your host for this webinar. I want to welcome everybody that's joined us today. The Investor Hot Seat, this is a two-hour webinar, and our goals are to entertain, educate, and connect companies from different industry sectors who are also seeking additional growth capital and in the hunt for new investors and sources of capital. So today, we've got an awesome lineup here with six innovative companies that will be presenting their investment opportunity to a panel of experienced investor judges that are seeking investment opportunities themselves. And at the end of the webinar, we're gonna learn which companies the investor judges like and if they're ready to invest. So raising capital to fund the growth of a company's hard work and an activity that's being done by companies all around the world. So we're excited to be joined on this webinar right now by an audience of investors, industry professionals, and entrepreneurs. That includes countries from Brazil, Canada, Colombia, Israel, the Netherlands, Panama, the United States, and many more. So here's a little breakdown for today's webinar schedule for about the first 15 minutes. We're gonna do an introduction of the investor judges and then followed by 30 minutes, we're gonna have companies presenting with some featured speakers. And then about one o'clock to 1.15, we're gonna vote. So the investor judges and you, the audience, you're gonna have the opportunity to vote for companies that gave the best presentation. So we're gonna announce the winners at around 1.15. Judges will each vote for one company and tell us why they think it's their choice. So we're gonna add up the judges' votes to come up with a total, and the company that has the most individual judges' votes will be the overall winner of the investor hot seat. So then about 115 to 120, we'll have closing announcements before we have a Zoom room networking event from about 120 to 220. So first, if you wanna submit a question, just use the chat button at the bottom and make sure that you're chatting with all panelists and attendees so you can switch that uh, down there. So after the final presentation, the webinar audience will be presented with a pop-up window on your computer and that's when you'll be able to vote for the number one company of your choice. So we're, we're currently in what's called a Zoom webinar, but at 1.20 when it's time for the networking event, we're gonna switch from this Zoom webinar to a Zoom room networking or meeting room. So you're gonna have the opportunity to interact with the speakers and the judges and the presenting companies. But to join that Zoom room networking event, you're gonna to need to register again for that meeting. So you were emailed a link, but we'll also post that in the chats. And the registration is also located at the Investor Hot Seat website. So to the presenting companies and speakers, I'm gonna be working with you to bring some questions from the audience, but we recommend that you monitor that in the chat as this webinar goes on. And as a reminder, you have access to the presenting companies, the investor judges, and the featured speakers information and contact information at the Investor Hot Seat website, which is investorhotseat.com. And with that, I'm your host. I'm Josh Kincaid. I'm a capital markets analyst with a boutique advisory firm called the Super Chronics. We help our clients aggregate data. So that could be anything from a beverage company that wants really granular data down to zip code for flavor preferences or a Band-Aid company that I've invested in. 
that needs to optimize their, their inventory. So another company that I've invested in is uh, a, a trading robot. So there's an AI-based algorithm that I invested in last year, and it's up 92% for the year. And we're also nominated for best AI platform and best alternative investment. So that's just cherry on the top for that. So we're going to, I'm going to introduce some of the guest judges, but before that, just real quick about the format again, we're going to hear from a total of six presentations today from speakers and presenting companies raising capital. We had 35 companies that registered to present, but only six were selected today. And each company is going to have about six minutes to present followed by about six minutes for Q and A. So I'm going to introduce some investor judges and also introduce the presenting companies. So it's recommended that companies have that six minute presentation, allowing for six minutes of Q&A with about a one minute transition time. So judges are gonna raise their hands. That's gonna indicate if you have a question and looking at uh, just having maybe one question. So we wanna keep this to about 90 seconds or less so we can have three to four investor judges ask questions for each presentation. So at the end of these six presentations, the investor judges and audience, everyone is going to vote on their best presentation. And I'm going to announce the winner selected by the judges uh, and the audience. So with that, I'm going to introduce the first investor judge. Let's start in alphabetical order with David Hess. He's the president and co-founder of Trust Capital. Thank you, Josh, uh, for that uh, and for your introduction and for all your contributions to the industry. And thank you, Brad Turner, for producing today's Investor Hot Seat. My name is David Hess. I am the president and co-founder of Trust Capital. Trust Capital is a boutique strategic private investment firm embedded at the core of the global cannabis sector, originating and managing investments for high net worth, family office, and institutional investors. We've been investing strictly in the cannabis industry for about a decade now and have a track record of successful industry investment. We work closely with our portfolio companies and the industry providing active value add support. The Trust portfolio includes impactful industry leaders such as Headset, Tilt, SC Labs, Cannabis Now, Gronetics, Northbud, Infusion Biosciences, Waste Tracker, and ICANN. Trust Solutions provides M&A advisory, strategy, business development, and operational support to sector companies. We really look forward to all the companies presenting today, and uh, it's nice to see all the investor judges here as well. Thank you, David. Next up is going to be Douglas Hanna. He's a partner with Silver Leaf Ventures. Douglas, you're you're on mute. Sorry. Can everybody hear me now? Yes. Much better. Sorry about that. Um, once again, um, my name is Doug Hanna. I'm out in Denver, Colorado, where we have an office. We also have another office in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut. Silverly Venture Partners has uh, made 25 investments to date. We are mostly focusing on the technology side and the bioscience side of cannabis. And um, we're very excited and, and honored to be uh, judging on this panel and, and look forward to hearing all these presentations. Thank you, Douglas. Next up is Frank Sid. He's the founder with CrowdChain. Frank. 
Hey, Josh, thank you for the introduction. Uh, thank you, Brad. Thank you, Josh, uh, both for, uh, you know, for putting together this event and, and Josh for, um, for leading the event. So CrowdChain is a crowdfunding portal that uh, bridges the gap between companies seeking capital and retail investors. Um, we, we believe strongly that the, the way forward is going to be through crowdfunding and to democratize investments. Uh, we also have a broker dealer here in New York. We're based out of Plainview, and uh, we have been helping companies for the better part of 20 years uh, raise capital in all sorts of uh, sectors. Uh, recently, we've become very interested in uh, the cannabis industry, particularly uh, anything to do with fintech, uh, the consumer side, and also on the biotechnology side of cannabis. Great. Thanks, Frank. Next up is John Nemonic. He's a partner with Green Coast Capital. John. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. And I'd like to say hello to everyone. Quite a few familiar faces here. Um, Green Coast Capital is four family offices that are working together to invest at this time in the cannabis space. Um, each of us individually have done previous investments, but we decided that we need to pour resources and in turn allows us to tap into a bigger network. So um, between my partners and I, we've probably done, I'm going to say ballpark 12 investments in this space in the last two years. And just as an FYI, I'm also an operator too. I'm a president of a cannabis company uh, producer in Columbia. That's great. Thanks, John. Next up is Carrie Jordan. She's a managing partner with Supercritical. Carrie. Carrie, you're on mute. If you can unmute yourself. There you go. There we go. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thanks for having me on the Investor Hot Seat. I'm Carrie Jordan, the co-founder and managing partner of Supercritical. Supercritical is a Chicago-based consultancy that works with companies in the cannabis and hemp, CBD, and psychedelic space. We offer full-spectrum thinking of all of our clients' needs, be it operations, capital raising, readiness, business development, and other strategic thinking. Full disclosure, Voyager is one of our clients, so I am going to re Excuse myself today from voting for Voyager, but uh, you'll see when you get Elad's presentation how wonderful the group is. Uh, so thank you so much and look forward to hearing everyone's pitch. All right. Thank you, Carrie. All right. Next up, Krishnan Verrier. Uh, hopefully I pronounced that right. Managing partner with Arcadian Capital. Krishnan, thank you. Pronounce it perfectly correct. Thanks. Thanks for that intro. Uh, Hey everyone, Christian Barrier, uh, managing partner of Arcadian Capital. We are a uh, we are a venture fund that has uh, made twenty seven investments into primarily um, anc ancillary cannabis companies. Um, do a lot of work uh, around the technology side of the of the infrastructure of the industry. Um, excited to be part of this panel today. Thank you, Christian. All right, Matthew Norgren. He's a founder and CEO of Arcadian Capital. Matthew. Hey, thanks guys. Glad to be here. Josh, incredible job introducing us. I feel like we we're going to be, you know, six round fight tonight, you know, out of the red corner. We got, you really got it set up there, friend. Thank you for that. That was wonderful. So good to be here with so many friends. 
Oh, this is great. This is what this industry needs. Brad, thank you. Um, as Josh said, I'm a managing partner of Arcadian Capital with Krishnan and a few other people. And uh, we have about 27 companies in our funds and about another 10 in our SPVs. And we're investing. We have two funds and raising some more. And we're so excited to be here because you guys are what we live, eat, and breathe for. These companies, you make our lives. You get us out of bed every morning and we got to go out and continue to find resources to continue to resource you. You're doing so much great work. Thankful to be here. Looking forward to seeing all these great companies. Um, please reach out to us, Arcadian, if you have any questions. We'll be in the networking thing as well. Thank you, Matthew. All right, well, let's kick this off with our first presenting company. It's with uh, Davina Kawanohi. She's the CEO of Element Apothic. Davina. Hi, how are you? Let me uh, share my screen. Okay, is it showing? Yes. Great. So I hope everybody's doing today, doing good today. I'm really happy to be here and share information about Element Apothic. Element Apothic is a new disruptive CBD brand redefining the CBD body care and wellness space. And we're really looking at the intersection of bringing clean beauty and wellness products into the space and really providing products that can help today's conscious consumer that are demanding more from the companies that they work for. As you can see from an early age, I've been exposed to cannabis. My dad was a Vietnam veteran and every day he would tell me that without this plant, he, he didn't know how he could sleep. He didn't know how he could even walk outside the door. And I recall even being in school and them asking me to raise my hand if I had family members that smoked marijuana. And I sat there and I went home and said, dad, oh my gosh, the police are going to come to the house. And he assured me that wasn't the case. And again, reassured me that how this plant helped him and I've seen it help countless others. So I'm really excited to be in this space and being able to bring a new perspective into CBD. Element Apothic was born in a kitchen, not a lab. My great aunt created these products when she was diagnosed with several autoimmune diseases. And when she turned to the market to look for products that could help her, they weren't available. She went on a mission to create products that could help her, that could help countless others that were clean, that were safe, that were highly effective. Today, we're bringing those products from the kitchen into the world. The problem is, is that consumers today don't know who or what to trust. There are so many brands in the CBD space and the personal care space that don't live up to their commitment. So many products are filled with toxins and harmful ingredients. There's over 1,400 ingredients that we could use in the US that are banned in Europe and Canada. So you can see there's a problem. There are low quality products flooding the market with little to no transparency. Many products on the market have little medical oversight. And there's really an absence of ingenuity as we all know with so many white labeled products on the market. The solution, it's element of profit. We are bringing clean and safe products to the market with complete transparency. We have medical and scientific oversight. We built a medical advisory team to look at every formulation to make sure that it was safe both inside and outside of our body. We have innovative and effective formulations. 
and our never ever promise means that we will never ever use any banned, harmful, or toxic ingredients in any of the products we create. We are committed to sustainability with our packaging using glass and even our lotion bottle is a sugarcane ethanol so that we can do our part in the products that we create. We're creating positive impact along with consumer education. And for us, education is as important as the products that we create. We recently launched a show on Razzle called Contemporary Cannabis, the science behind the plant. So we could really educate consumers, whether they buy from us or another company, we feel that the industry deserves this type of education. And how are we doing this? We're doing this with an incredible team that we've built that has over 60 years experience in the CPG space, medical space, uh, and scientific research. We're really excited to have Dr. Swathi as our chief science officer leading the integrative pharmacy space in cannabis and even creating a new pharmacy program to be integrated in traditional colleges across the US. And how do we stack up? We, have, we stack up really well in this space with no harmful ingredients targeted across both beauty and wellness and providing again consumer education with diversified products. And as we all know in this space, the market opportunity is huge. And we plan to be able to take a big share of that space in this market. In our financials, we have an aggressive but reachable plan that we feel we can achieve through several opportunities that we are currently experiencing. We're ready to launch with six products. We're providing our pre-sale in less than 30 days with product shipping out by the end of September. We've already secured several wholesale commitments, um, including Showcase by Cal Ethos, which is a really cool uh, venue that they're going to be opening in Santa Ana. You should check it out. Uh, we have already received Cert Clean certification, Leaping Bunny certification, and are working on other certifications so that the consumer knows that we are a brand that they can trust. We've also established key partnerships, including Tag One, to be able to show complete transparency of all of our ingredients that we use in the product. And how are we approaching our marketing and sales? We plan to do both direct-to-consumer as well as omni-channel sales, providing education, influencer marketing, and utilizing traditional marketing channels. We look at our customers from a psychographic perspective. Customers that want to live better, that want to have healthier lives, that care about the products that they put on their body because it, because it impacts them. So we are currently raising $500,000 on a convertible note. We plan to use that money primarily for product inventory, for marketing, general operating costs, business development. And you may be asking yourself, in a market that's flooded with so many other CBD brands out there, why Element Apothic? Why are you different? It's trust, plain and simple. Invest now and join us on our journey to set a new standard of clean science. Element Apothic, never, ever anything but good. Thank you so much for your time today, and I'd love to hear what questions that you have. Thank you, Davina. What uh, investor judges have any questions? Anybody out there? I, I have a question for you, Davina. Thank you for your presentation. Would you speak to us more about the competitive risks that you're facing? Who are your top competitors and how you plan to either, either disrupt the market or create something new that's going to want me as an investor to come in and back you? 
Yeah, but I, I think from a competitive perspective, we're really trying to carve out a new space and bringing this line of uh, traditional uh, beauty and personal care products into the CBD space and meeting the consumers that are looking for uh, clean, safe products. Some of the top competitors, we have multiple verticals. So on the you know, beauty wellness side, there's Prima, um, Lord Jones and St. Jane. And then you look at some traditional brands that have been in this space for a long time, like CBD Medic and CB Science and Charlotte's Web. And I, I think there's a place for each company. There's the market is big, but I do think that we plan to disrupt it really with the type of education that we're providing as the, the products that we are providing at this point. Hi, sorry about that. Thanks. What type of market share do you expect to capture? In terms of the market share, I mean, the, the market opportunity is huge. So if you even look at a small percentage of 1% even of a multi-billion dollar industry, it's small, but I expect that we can command a bigger percentage of that. We're also in conversations with some distributors in UK as well. And so we expect to be able to have our products distributed both across the US as well as in other uh, locations across the world that are accepting of CBD products. Any other questions before we get to Ali of Event High? Anybody else have a question for Davina? Matthew? Well, Davina, I'll just tell you, I think it's great and so encouraged to hear uh, your story. That picture at the beginning was just phenomenal. That's what this is about. Um, I'll just note a lot of questions for you, by the way, but I think a comment <laughs> that nobody's won anything on the consumer side, nothing. The rules aren't even there. Market share, all these things is amazing, but you got to believe in the team if you're going to be building a consumer product because there's a million things you're going to have to pivot and do. There's a lot of great people in here that could support that process for you. But right now it's about building your foundation, building a team, building the story and being prepared for what's to come because it hasn't happened yet. Right. Um, looks like you're in a good place here. Thank you for your time and uh, go get them. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matthew. Douglas, did you have a question? Yeah, just real quick, Davina, what, uh, I know you said that you're looking to raise $500,000 in a convertible note. Can you give me the rest of the terms of that note? Um, is there a discount to the next round? Is there a coupon? Um, you know, uh, what is it, what is it going to convert at uh, for the next round? Just a little bit more terms around that. Yeah, so I can also provide you more additional information. Um, but in terms of the term, yes, we have a discount currently on the convertible note that converts um, at the point that we raise our next uh, our next fundraise, our uh, Series A. Um, and again, I can share more specific details with you about the, the convertible note and the specifics of the term, but, but we do have a discount um, that does um, currently exist on that convertible note. And, and one quick question, how much of that note have you raised already, Is, or are you just starting? We're just starting. We've raised $40,000 just from kind of quick family and friends outreach. We've uh, just started now our outreach to, uh, to investors um, and hope to uh, raise that quickly so we can really move forward with the launch of the company. Good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Davina. Uh, don't forget to check the, the chats. Make sure that uh, if anyone's asking some questions that you're engaging and interacting with them. Next up for our next featured uh, presenting company is Ali Fakri. He's the CEO of Event High. Ali, don't forget to unmute yourself. Hey, everyone. Start for one second. 
Perfect. Hello, everyone. My name is Ali Fakri. I am the founder and CEO of Event High. Um, in 2014, uh, when the cannabis industry opened its door to um, the consumer, uh, the main focus uh, was getting the product to the consumer. However, after the consumer purchased um, the product, there was really nowhere to consume the cannabis. Um, it was very difficult other than consume it at home. Uh, that was really the only way you can consume it um, through um, basically within your house. Um, in 2019, the United Nations released their World Drug Report, uh, which they surveyed 196 million uh, cannabis consumers in 74 countries, uh, which the survey showed that 74% of these consumers are recreational consumers or social consumers, uh, which basically when consuming cannabis, there were more uh, active in doing uh, things with other people. Um, so that to us shows that cannabis is more of a social product than a medical product, um, very similar to other social industries like sport, music, gaming, and alcohol, um, which was, this became a really big problem. So in 2018, states like California, Colorado, and Michigan, and many other states um, issued uh, a license called a CEO license, which is a cannabis event organizer license which allowed event creators to create events for people to come in, to enjoy the cannabis plant, shop, and interact with other people. However, this was a big problem for cannabis creators, for event creators, uh, as a lot of the mainstream platforms uh, look at cannabis-related events as prohibited events, prohibited transactions, and prohibited merchants. Um, and for any reason, if you have your event on those platforms, they get flagged, um, the event gets canceled right away, funds get frozen, and event goers get refunded back their tickets, which is a very frustrating problem. This is where we come in. We have created a platform where event creators can host cannabis-related experiences for people to attend uh, without having the fear of their event getting shut down. They can publish, promote, um, and have a, an all-in-one dashboard to see everything. Um, also, they can actually uh, earn money through uh, our platform, which is one of the first uh, true marketplace in the industry where they can sell tickets, sponsorships, and bookings, um, and our platform uh, offers also compliance, um, MRP banking, submerchant account, credit card processing, and ACH processing. Um, we have worked with these creators um, as they get kicked off of these platforms and they come to our platform and uh, built a relationship with them that has lasted over um, two years since we've launched. We have over 963 uh, cannabis uh, event creators that use our platform on a daily basis to create different experiences uh, for this culture. These experiences that have created over 4,830 different um, events and different experiences um, through our platform, which makes us one of the largest cannabis um, uh, experience platform in the world. Um, you can go on our marketplace and search and explore uh, over 19 different categories um, in 38 states. And uh, this year we just expanded to five different countries, uh, which we can find different experiences uh, through Event High. Some of these uh, categories and some of these creators uh, that use our platform daily, for example, uh, D. Desal, which is Ganja, a yoga creator, does over um, 30 different cities and classes, over 800 students. Um, Chris C., the herbal chef, he started off with about two to, I think, eight different uh, private dinners. Now he hosts over 200 private dinners in seven different countries around the world. Um, Deidre and Celine, they also created, you know, uh, retreats, uh, cannabis focus around female and women, uh, which now they have over 700 members. And Kaden Borg from the Kishlock Festival hosts one of the largest music festivals 
that brings in over 7,000 attendees and 500 brands um, to this uh, cannabis festival, uh, which we also have a lot of those as well. So beside the uh, event creators that we have on our platform, we also have um, event goers. We have over 55,000 event goers that always are on a platform purchasing, registering for events and experiencing different things they can do in the cannabis culture. Uh, we also work with over 3,000 brands that use our platform as well. Going into the event goers, a lot of these users love our marketplace due to uh, discovering events, um, finding different brands, reviewing these experiences, and also able to not just go to events, but create their own events or meetup. Uh, we have a really close community where people can follow other creators, share their experiences, and also they can purchase tickets fast, easy, and they can actually use their credit card to be processed. Some of these brands that we work with, I just mentioned, the reason they use our platform um, first to access our marketplace and advertise to thousands of cannabis consumers, also to purchase uh, sponsorships and exhibit a booth at a lot of these events that creators create. And sometimes also they create their own events to get brand awareness, uh, to engage with the customer hands-on, um, and also to create revenue channels. Um, some uh, brands that just don't host their events, but they actually sell tickets to you know, make an extra revenue. Um, and lastly, they send a lot of their employees to our platform to go and network and social to find events, to, you know, uh, network with other people. Our platform scales very efficiently as we acquire uh, event uh, creators as our acquisition is focused on event creators. These event creators create more events, build their business through our platform, um, and also they acquire more attendees and brands through their promotion and bringing these um, users to our platform. Um, allows us to integrate and expand our platform to different uh, sector of the industry, uh, which is nice because we have these different kind of users. We are targeting a large global um, industry, which is a global event industry and the global tourism industry, um, with they range between $2.3 trillion and $1.2 trillion. Um, we are looking for that sweet sector, which is focused around cannabis experiences, cannabis traveling, and cannabis events. Some, some data points I already went through, but just some, also we have over, uh, sold over 600,000 uh, tickets through our platform and over uh, 1,800 uh, sponsorship. We have done over 2.5 million uh, gross mark volume uh, on our platform since we launched our beta. However, 2019 brought COVID uh, 2020 brought COVID-19 and social distancing, uh, fortunately, which made a huge stop into the event and ticketing industry um, and also the tourism industry. However, uh, business insiders like Michael Rupino, CEO of Live Nation Entertainment, which own Ticketmaster, expect that the live experience and events and festivals will come back much stronger uh, starting next year. And that's a really testimony because since COVID-19 hit, we had to pivot our company completely, which showed us that the human connection is so important, um, which is a testimony of what we're doing right now, being online, we actually hosted um, over 326 uh, online events through our platform and about 45% of our creators who switched from in-person events to online events. Also allowed us to create a new revenue model, which is a listing fee of $25 for online events and made us go to a global market and start working with clients outside of the US for the first time ever. Um, clients like uh, Cannabis Europe, uh, Lyft from Canada and ICANN um, host Canatech in Israel. And that's time we, if you want to wrap that up. Yeah, we do have some direct competitors that compete with us. Um, 
Also, uh, these competitors are more listing sites that we direct to our uh, indirect competitors. Um, we have a lot of advantages. Mostly, a lot of our clients can make money uh, through our platform, and we offer saving safe environments. Um, this is the banking that we offer for our clients. It's cannabis-related banking um, that gives them that safe and security to process money through the platform. Um, our hosts, they make more than an average um, passive income platforms like Ease, Uber and Lyft and Airbnb. Um, and um, these are the business model that we have through our platform, which is a service fee of 5.9, an item fee of 99 cents, a listing fee of $25. Um, and we also have advertising through our um, homepage and also our newsletter. We also will be launching uh, Travel High 2001, which is you can find different destinations to rent rentals, lounges and dispensaries. Um, Shop High, which you can find different products that you can order and have them delivered to you at the event. Um, we are expecting to do about 4 million experiences and booking at $85 per experience, looking at 340 million revenue projection by 2026. Um, this is our team that's behind the platform, and uh, we are looking to raise 2.5 million seed round um, for uh, convertible at 7.5 um, pre-money market value, 20 discount, and 6% uh, interest. Uh, we'll be distributing this money through engineering, marketing, and operation and sales, um, and I think we will make an amazing exit uh, and ROI uh, investment um, as through different uh, mainstream platform looking to acquire segmented um, traveling and marketing platforms like us. Sorry for taking a little too long. Thank you guys. Yeah, it's all right. You, you flew through some of the juicy stuff for the investors. I, uh, yeah, I apologize. There's going to be some me. questions. So let's, let's dive into that. Who's got, got who wants it. to ask all these some questions. I'll kick it off, Josh. Uh, yeah, I'll kick it off. Uh, Ali, thank you very much. Uh, also a side note, I, I saw some names. I know you're working with uh, one of our portfolio companies, ICANN, uh, as well as ArcView on an upcoming oh, event. Uh, and I saw some other of our portfolio companies uh, in your pitch deck as well. So congratulations on all the traction thus far. Um, can you talk a little bit about the barrier to entry and the moat that Event High is is creating? The barrier to entry is super easy for us. Um, like other uh, platforms that allow you to make money, especially in the cannabis industry, uh, most of them they make you basically work for um, you know, like say for example, like Ease, they make you work for the dispensary to uh, make money. Um, for us. Uh, Basically, once uh, you want to, you know, become an event creator, you can just go on a platform, create an event. It doesn't have to be cannabis consumption; it can be over education or, uh, you know, uh, any kind of event. Um, and you can start selling tickets, um, and you can get paid uh, right after the event is over. Uh, so it's very simple, very easy. We do have a process called uh, KYC, which is know your customer that our financial institution requires to know each customer, and we can make sure what they're selling for us to issue them um, a submerchant account. Uh, which is a very fast process to get approved for. Okay, thank you. Hey, Ali, it's Frank Sid. I have a question. Can you talk a bit about the, the technology specifically uh, with how you guys handle data capture and getting that out to your the people that partner with you guys? Yes, for sure. Um, so we actually, uh, our technology uh, is built everything in-house. Uh, we don't outsource anything. Our team um, is the one that built the code. Uh, we started building code in 2016, um, 17, and we launched in 2018. Um, also, um, so what was the second part of the question? Uh, in regards to data capture and how you guys 
kind of capture. use that? Or, yeah. yeah. So the data capture is very unique because we have three different um, uh, users, which is the event creator, um, the attendee or the event goer, and the brands that all purchase through the marketplace. Uh, we have data points on all three different uh, users. So for event organizers, we can see you know what kind of events they're throwing, how much an average tickets they're selling. Um, for the event goer, same thing. We can see which events they're attending, where they're located, uh, how much they're purchasing. Are they buying more consumption events, non-consumption events? Um, is it uh, more of dinners or health and wellness category? Uh, and same thing for the brands. Uh, the data we capture on them is we can see, okay, well, Weed Maps purchased a $5,000 booth at this event. So we can see budgets of how much they're spending on each, uh, you know, um, you know, each event uh, for these companies, how many of their employees are buying tickets to go to these events. Uh, so the data points is really unique. And actually we're uh, trying to work with BDS Analytics uh, to kind of release some of this data to them as we're the only platform that actually has this data. And it's, and you guys own the IP, correct? Yes. It's all your own in-house? Okay. Oh, Thank in-house. Ali, I have a question about the sales cycle. Can you talk to us a bit more about that? How long the sales cycle is? Who's running sales for you? Um, what is it costing you to get them? How long do you expect that they will stay a customer? Yes, for sure. So our sale, sales cycle is uh, really kind of a, a unique sales cycle because um, we mainly, our platform exists around our creators. Uh, so the more creators we have, uh, the more sales, everything, you know, kind of follows along. Um, so we acquire our event uh, organizers through social media and events, but mostly most of them come to us uh, because they get shut down on different platforms. We actually call them refugees. But once they come to our platform, um, they usually, you know, stay throughout a year, two years. Um, they host events all the time. Um, we average about two to three events a month for an organizer. Uh, either they do classes or workshops, um, but those organizers actually promote uh, the link for their event page so they can get traffic and ticket sales. Uh, when they do that, a lot of these attendees come register on a platform, uh, end up buying tickets for other events or actually uh, creating their own events. Um, and we also allow a free model, which if you don't sell tickets uh, for value, you can post the event for free, which makes it much easier for customer acquisition and cheaper. Callie, I got a two-part question. The first is um, you'd mentioned that revenue in 2026 for that year is projected at 340. You may have mentioned it before, so apologies if I've missed it at the end, but what is your current revenue and how do you get from the current, you know, your current revenue base to 340 million in 26? Second part of it is, can you speak to um, the margin profile um, of the company today, and and I guess from here through uh, 26, how do you see that evolve? Uh, are you currently profitable? Yeah, so for us, um, we uh, regarding revenue, uh, we've done about 1.5 million uh, in 2019. Uh, this year, definitely uh, revenue has been affected uh, tremendously, but by pivoting and going to online events, we actually have increased our margins by I was saying 25 dollars. Um, but as what we're showing right here in $85 average, um, we believe we still have about 20% to 25% increase um, in our fee uh, that we make. Um, plus that we are launching um, not just only event high, but we're also launching um, uh, travel high and shop high, uh, which will allow us to also generate a whole new income of revenue. 
Uh, so with Travel High, um, we have a lot of demand of our customers when they go to these events, uh, finding locations to stay at, um, but also allows us once we have this and launch this, um, not just to promote to event goers, but also travelers that go to these locations, we can promote events to them uh, to find you know, exclusive dinners, uh, cannabis infused yoga, and such things like that. Plus also the shop, which allows you to order uh, your merchandise or uh, products to get delivered at the event, or you can actually order directly um, for the brands that are actually sponsoring these events and pick it up at the booth. Um, we believe we can uh, achieve this goal. Um, again, of course, you know, we are a small team, but with expansion and, um, you know, growth, and especially this year, we, we have proven that there's a global market for what we're doing. Thank you, Ali. I need to move on to Mandy, who's going to be our uh, featured speaker. So Mandy is the founder of Potency Number 710. Mandy, if you can unmute. There you go. Perfect. Thank you. Hi there. I'm Mandy. Um, I founded Potency, which um, is a CBD-based beauty line. I come from the beauty side of things. One thing I think that's really cool about the beauty side is when you're using CBD and beauty, you can actually see a really amazing result. Unlike taking a tincture or a gummy, we're not sure what, we can't see what it's doing to the person, uh, but with beauty, you can actually see your result. I have pulled up um, a few different images of different types of skin that have been benefiting from uh, the potency line. And um, I'm going to try to share my screen with you. This is always fun. And I'm going to show you some pictures. And I'm trying to get that to be full screen for you, but I'm going to push F11. Let's get this to a full screen. Can you see the logo here? Okay. Let's get a full screen. Okay. And I didn't do my full screen. Sorry, y'all. I got to go back to my full screen here. Here they are. Okay. I'll, I excuse the address bar at the top. Okay. Can you see the logo there? Everyone? Can you see? Yes. Okay. So um, I'm Mandy, the founder. That's when I used to get to dress up and go places. Uh, welcome to the beauty side of CBD. As you know, it's a growing, growing market. Um, I'm going to show you a few different examples. This was a girl who um, has had some several surgeries and was had a reaction to a chemo drug. Um, she was in the hospital and several of my clients, um, in case you all don't know me, I'm an esthetician for 23 years. Um, I also am very connected to cannabis, um, much like Davina. I grew up around the plant. We had grows illegally in our house all my life and my dad was the local drug dealer for many years and spent about 14 years of my life in prison for marijuana. I could never figure out why my dad kept going to jail over a plant. I um, have decided to take that stigma and turn it into something beautiful with potency, so I didn't let that uh, affect me growing up. Um, this is a young girl who got into her mother's uh, skincare stash over the weekend, and if you know teenagers, if they get one blemish, it's the end of the world. Um, so this was on a Friday to a Monday, and she even snapped a cute little before and after photo of um, how she cleared up her skin. And you can see in her smile how much happier that made her. So it's actually kind of cool to get into your mom's stash these days. Um, the girl over here to the other side, you can see the eye area. 
Um, the doctor, I believe, told her he said it was an autoimmune disorder. She goes through this every winter. Um, and this was two days after using a 100 milligram full spectrum uh, CBD serum. So that was pretty impressive for her to be able to open her eyes in the morning. Um, you can see that after picture. This is a lady who is 76 years old. Um, this is just showing you as far as aging, how it can kind of reverse um, some damage that she had done over the years. Um, this was the decollete area. You can see some spider web wrinkling there. Obviously it's from free radical damage in the sun and just aging, loss of collagen. And if you can look over here, two weeks later, she sent me a nice after picture. I beg for before photos. I know it's very important with this being an ingredient in beauty and it being so new to the world that documentation is everything. And I have tons of photos. And since we can't make claims, um, I believe I let the photos speak for themselves. Um, but you can see the decollete area really improved within a two week period. Um, I've always been a big believer in plant oils. I've always worked with plant oils um, as an esthetician. Um, I'm also on the cannabis side. We have two stores in Needles, California, and one of them is vertically integrated. So I am on the cannabis side of it as well. Um, but I tend to play more on the CBD side and let my uh, fiance do all that, um, all that hard work on the other side. Um, this is a lady who came into our cannabis store, the reason I mentioned, and she had, we gave her a sample, and you can see here, she's also in her late 60s, and this was two days later. Uh, they sent me a picture of how it helped give her a little bit of relief. So I'm kind of here today just to show you what all these other uh, people pitching are trying to tell you is that this is something amazing. Um, this girl over here is headed to college this year. She had a lot of acne in the stress area, which is normally in that cheek area is associated with, I always say stress. I always think the diets up here in the forehead and this hormonal area in the chin area. Um, and you're not gonna believe it, but this is also a weekend transformation. She had been using a Biore charcoal cleanser. I asked her to ditch it and the doctor had her on a medication because this is my cousin's kid. I said, just put that to the side for a minute. And uh, this is what we got over a weekend and her skin still remains clear to this day. Um, the other lady over here is gonna show you uh, pigmentation, um, sun damage, also known as sun damage. Some of us show pigmentation. Uh, some of us get broken capillaries with the free radical damage as well. Um, and she also had the darkness under the eye. And you can see also, again, you won't believe it, this is a weekend transformation. These are people who used a very tiny two milliliter sample of the gold serum, uh, which has a blend of 20 other plant oils in there. And much like Davina, I'm huge on ingredients. Um, I was crazy when my son was born at what diaper I was gonna put on him. That's how crazy I was. I won't give him medicine with red dye number 40 in it. So I've also been very meticulous at the ingredient choices when uh, doing this line. This is a really tough one. This was a six month transformation. Um, the doctor said this is psoriasis. She used all the medication that they gave her throughout the years. And the only thing that seemed to have really kicked it was the gold serum. And um, she got a really amazing result with inflammation here. Her last picture, I even have a better one now, her skin still has continued to improve. Uh, one of the things that these clients have all noted to me is this did not burn like many of the prescription medications that they were given throughout their times of having um, skin issues. 
another thing is, uh, you know, in the beauty market, acne products are huge, and I believe that the acne is going to um, do really well with this as a as a as an ingredient CBD in the in the products as an ingredient for acne. Um, Accutane is a nasty, nasty medicine that, that has a lot of side effects for these young teenage girls, um, and it can cause depression. So um, I find this to be just a really nice way to avoid all of those secondary issues. And this is my actual product line. Um, out of the seven uh, products, four of them have the CBD in it. My sunscreens do not, and neither does my cleanser. I did not want to waste that oil in a cleanser since you just wash it off. And um, that's it. That is my screen share for the day. And I um, just wanted to be able to show you all that. And um, hopefully you can kind of see what CBD is actually really doing uh, in the, from the beauty side of things. Yeah, that's great. Thank you very much, Mandy. Does anybody have any questions? Um, I know looking at this, there's a lot of medicinal value, I think. Um, what is your opinion on going into existing marketplaces like the West Coast or going into a more medical market like Oklahoma? Where are you seeing the most traction from online orders? You know, I have a, they say a cult-like following um, from Kentucky, the Midwest. So I, I seem to get a lot of clients from the Midwest. Uh, you know, they go through those four seasons and they, it's brutal to their skin. Um, I love the medical side of things because I worked alongside a very famous physician for the first 10 years of my uh, aesthetic career uh, when, when I was 20. And um, I like the medical side and it's, it's, it's very confusing to me because I almost want to redo or revamp my whole line to gear more toward the medical side. Um, I don't know how to explain which way I want to go yet. That's why I'm not one of these people pitching looking for money because I'm just growing my brand slow. Um, I got advice one time to crawl, walk, and then run. And um, right now I'm walking pretty fast and my cells have increased, extremely increased since COVID. Um, so I'm, I'm on to something and I'm just going to hold it to myself as long as I can and enjoy all that profit as long as I can. And, um, with the demographic, as far as what age I'm seeing by my product, it's really hard to pinpoint my demographic and everybody says that's impossible. You should know your demographic, but what my demographic has tend to be teenagers all the way up to 80 years old. So it's really hard for me to determine what my demographic is other than this is becoming a household product because I'm having people also utilize it for, I had a lady who burned herself at the curling iron and it, it took it away immediately. I had somebody burn herself on the stove. Um, so it's, it's almost like I would love for it to be that household product uh, instead of reaching for that Neosport or that cortisone cream uh, to be able to reach for a really cool CBD product. But again, I'm from the beauty side, so that's what I know is the beauty side more so than the cortisone and neosporin and the home household product side. But gosh, it's just an array of things we can do with this ingredient. And I don't see why anybody going forward would not add CBD in a product just as they would vitamin E or vitamin C because it's just been proven to be a very strong antioxidant and a badass free radical fighter. <laughs>
Absolutely. I just had an, actually a 40 year old man ask me on Facebook the other day uh, about acne. And so I was going into diet, you know, like dairy and, and wheat and some other inflammatories, but this is a product I would absolutely recommend. I'm curious though, can I recommend this to international clients? Do you have a full spectrum that could be an issue uh, for anything that's over 0.3%? Mine is not over 0.3%, but I am not sending international just yet. Um, like I said, I've just been going kind of slow, maybe slower than what most people think I should be going, but I read a lot of stories about people who rushed to retail or rushed to international. And I've just been trying to make sure I cross my T's and dot my I's and be very careful because I've got something good. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. I'm working with the World Trade Center on their export store uh, e-commerce platform. And I've noticed that um, over in, in Asia, Japan really kind of starts with, with their own Hollywood version. And then that'll pick up from the South Korean company. And then you'll find out in Thailand later on that it's became popularized through, the, uh, through Japan. And so that whole, like within Southeast Asia, it's just kind of its own um, bubble. And so I would definitely see something like this kind of gaining some traction. CBD already is flying off the shelves in Japan that we're seeing from some of our clients with the World Trade Center. So I'm excited to see, you know, where you go internationally. I think domestically and internationally, there's opportunities with either sun or people eating bad things, creating inflammation and and, reversing, uh, reversing your bad, reversing your past. You know, a lot of people didn't start skincare or self-care until COVID. Self-care, people got real serious about self-care when COVID hit, probably even more so than before. And you can, uh, I can, I'm sure most of them, uh, people can agree that the CBD cells increase quite a bit because, and, and I also think the beauty, the, the beauty side of this is who's going to lead everyone into this world of CBD, because I believe people will start first with a topical versus an ingestible uh, because there, a lot of people are still scared or am I going to get high if I eat this CBD gummy? And so I think with beauty, to me, we're leading the way to open up the doors for people to become more comfortable with CBD. And we're just trying to get as much education out there as we can. And I've upped my blog game and I um, am just hoping that the, the, big, the big people, Prima and all those that are going out with their clinical studies and all the things they're doing are leading the way. And it really helps us indie brands. Hey, thanks, uh, Josh. You don't mind if I jump in here since this is an investor hot seat. What would you uh, like to leave the investors with here? If you're not raising capital, very happy to hear your success. I think we all believe the things you're talking about. As you move from you and your team building this business to a we, to a team, to being able, because you have to have a team to go out and do it in the right way at the right time whenever that happens, what can you leave investors with here, Mandy, that we can, you know, know about your business or what questions I, I can just, we even ask you? You know, I just believe that, gosh, I, first of all, I just hope the plant brings us peace. I always say that because I just want the plant to bring peace. But what I can leave for you investors is that beauty always sells. And you know that even during the depression, red lipstick and lipstick sells were always hot. So beauty will always sell. I think if you create, if it's a beauty product that also has a wellness aspect to it, that has also a, like a purpose, it has to have a purpose. The products have to be purpose driven. I don't think uh, a lot of the products with all the fluff are not going to survive. I think the ones who have a purpose and that can, can document and show the results um, I, I just think it's going to help along the way because this is still so new, you know, CBD as an ingredient and beauty is just still so new. Um, but from what I'm hearing, 
the documentation is everything. So I do, I beg and beg for before photos. I don't know many brands that are out there saying, please take a before photo and then compare it in a few days and see if our product's working. Uh, the majority of them won't get the results that I've been getting that quick. Perfect. Thank you, man. We're gonna move on to this. Whoa. We're gonna move on to the next presenting company. So that's gonna be um, Elad Barak. He's a CEO, Voyager Products. Hey, let me just share my screen. Awesome. Everyone can see it. Great. So let's start. Thanks, thanks everyone for, for joining today. We're really excited being here uh, pitching in the hot investor seat. Uh, hope to meet some investors and that you'll be interested and happy to hear your thoughts. Um, yeah. Disclaimer, and I'll, I'll start with presenting the, the team quickly from right to left. Aryan, our president, has more than 30 years of experience in uh, blue chip companies. He worked for Procter & Gamble. He was president at Chiara and ran the Mars food business here in Canada. Gio, our uh, COO, has a lot of experience from big projects back uh, in Peru including uh, constructions across the Andes and also had some uh, uh, consulting work here with 48 North, one of the cannabis uh, brands in Canada. And myself, originally from Israel, I have a lot of experience in technology. I worked in the aerospace industry there. And ever since I'm in Canada, I'm doing BizDev for the last two and a half years in cannabis beverages. And before we really talk about what Voyager does, I really want to mention kind of the what we're trying to solve. and. There's a lot of reasons why people use cannabis. When you ask them, they know to describe it. But when you look at who's consuming cannabis, it turns out that most of us are not consuming yet. And, and on the bottom left, you can see that 61% of the population is not consuming cannabis yet. 17% are new consumers. And there's a bunch of reasons why. If it's, you know, they don't want to vape and smoke, they're bad, you know, afraid of bad experiences, lack of guidance, exactly like Mandy just mentioned. People are afraid even to consume CBD because they're not sure about what it's going to be and what the effect will, will be on them. So we saw an opportunity that consumers are looking for something that is safe, simple, and precise. And, and the way we envision the solution is a pocket-sized dispenser that allows consumers to either consume cannabis as beverage drops, which you add to your beverage, or oil drops that you take sublingually. And here's how it works. So I'll start from picture one. You take the dispenser and the pod, connect them together. You put it above your favorite beverage, you press a button, and you get the exact amount of cannabis into your beverage, and all that's left is to enjoy. It's simple, precise, and portable, and we added a cool control feature. So everything connects to an app, and from the front end, consumers can monitor their consumption, they can personalize the experience, and they can get education on different choices that exist in this ecosystem. But the interesting part is on the back end, where we as Voyager can really track consumption, ID consumer habits and trends, and improve the offerings uh, together with the partners we're working with. And, and all of this is based on our proprietary technology. Um, we have a bunch of unique features that allow us to, to make this product work. I'll just mention a few of them. Uh, I really like the safety feature, so we made sure that there's no chance to take liquid out of the pod without the dispenser. And then we added a password on the dispenser. So if somebody has a kid, we can approach them as well because they, they're sure their kid will not be able to use this. We have some smart technology, meaning our pods can communicate with the dispenser, the dispenser communicates with our app, and then the app communicates with us. And we're already 3% plus minus accurate, which is an amazing achievement and hoping to, to improve that in the future. But this technology allows us to build a unique business model. 
And, and it works like this. We as Voyager manufacture the pods and the dispensers, but we're an ecosystem where our role is to push these dispensers out to the market, make sure that people have dispensers. That's the razor and the razor and blade model. And then together with our partners, we put pods in the market with brands. So we will have a Voyager brand, but we will also have partners joining us uh, very similar to what Tesmo did or in the cannabis industry, what Paxera did. And essentially Voyager does its profit from selling pods, whether ours or our partners. And, and utilizing these partners is how we grow very quickly. And I'll start with our financials in Canada. Uh, and the reason you're seeing this growth is because we're bringing six recreational partners. We're bringing them uh, over three years the first one will join half a year after us, the second a year, and then every three months. So we're not kind of over-exaggerating it. And I will mention that if you're interested, please follow us on LinkedIn because in the next few weeks, we will have a very interesting announcement regarding partnerships. Uh, and then on the left side, we are talking about our expansion. Since we don't touch the plant, we actually have a co-packer. We're just a technology company. It is very easy for us to move to the States and to Europe and to just duplicate our model that allows us to quickly bring more consumers. We're here looking to raise $5 million at a pre-money valuation of 20 million. We're looking to give a 25% discount for the first million and a half that comes in. And I just wanna mention that all of our numbers are in Canadian dollars. So for American investors, it will be a bit cheaper. You have the discount embedded. And we're going to utilize this money for, first of all, putting our product on the market by quarter one, 2021. And we're aiming to break even by the third quarter. And I wanna mention, there's a big chunk here for inventory. There's two reasons for that. One is we need to put dispensers on the market and the first dispensers will be free or discounted. And then the first batches of pods will be a bit more expensive. But it's not all spent in one day, it's actually spent across um, the full year. And these financials will support us for at least till the end of 2021. Quick look on our roadmap. We just submitted our non-provisional patent about a month ago. We're ready to submit a Health Canada new product notification with our co-packer. And by October, we aim to have a ready to manufacture and do a sensory test with an LP here in Canada and be in market in the first quarter. And with that, I wanna to move to Q&A. Thank you very much. Great timing. I'm really excited about the, the data. That was a great presentation. Investor judges, what do you guys got? Well, may I lead? Yes. Um, I have the type of business partner that wouldn't bet three poodle, uh, three pit bulls against a French poodle without identifying all the downside risks. What do you see as the greatest threats to your model? Um, that's a tough question. Um, but I, I would say, you know, everybody's talking about will consumers purchase a dispenser? There's that issue. But we're seeing trends in the market where consumers are leaving the disposable vapens because they don't like it for both the, the cost that comes with it and then the part of recycling. So I hope that's a challenge that we'll be able to solve. The other thing we're doing is we're aiming to solve our dispenser at cost. So it costs us around $20 to manufacture the dispenser. We put most of our costs there to keep our pots at a low cost for us and sell it almost at cost. So it will be sold for 50 Canadian dollars and hopefully we can overcome that challenge that way. Put a Pez head on top of it and sell it to the yuppies. He'll love it. Good work. Thanks. Does anybody else have any questions? I think somebody had some questions about accurate dosing, but I will let uh, those questions get answered in the chat box. Any other questions from investor judges before we move on? 
Yeah, I got a quick question. This is Doug with Silverleaf. Um, just wanted to know a little bit. I see that you've got a provisional patent. Uh, where was that patent filed? And is that going to be an international patent? Or is that just going to be for Canada? And uh, what exactly does that cover? I mean, obviously, as you know, you're not the first one to try to uh, work on the accurate dosing. There's another Canadian company that I think was uh, failed to get their product to market, and then there's one here in the United States. So I'd like to drill in a little bit more about the patents. But by the way, nice job, uh, Elad. There was, um, I think it was a very professional um, presentation that uh, kind of walked us through a, a lot of information in a very short period of time. Thanks, Douglas. It's, it's great seeing you, and in the same, uh, John. Uh, so we have submitted a non-provisional. We had two provisional patents. We converted them to keep the first date of the non-provisional, which was submitted in July 2019. Uh, so we converted them to a non-provisional. They're submitted in the U.S. and they're a PCT. We did the international uh, prep for both Europe and Canada. Uh, what the patent covers is there's kind of two folds, right? First of all, there's the dispenser pod idea. Um, but on top of that, we have a bunch of all kinds of claims we did that we really believe are important. I can give a few examples just to kind of give a flavor. Uh, first of all, we have our own proprietary pump to create this accuracy, but I'll, I'll do something that's a bit easier to understand um, and high level. We need to make sure there's never bubbles in our pods, uh, air bubbles, to make sure it's accurate. And we have a way to make sure that the dispenser will never work if it's not accurately directed with the ground. So those are the kind of things that if you don't think about them, your pod will never be accurate eventually. And I hope that those things that we claim will be granted and then we will be able to prevent other competitors from doing the same. Okay, thank you. Love it. Anybody else? Any last questions? Hi, Eli, it's uh, Frank Sid, uh, CrowdChain. Question, uh, how, uh, how much money to date have you guys raised to put this product together? Uh, and um, in regards to, uh, you know, I know Doug just mentioned that there was another company uh, that tried to do something, um, you know, I guess similar, but can you speak a bit on, on the market and competition that is out there for you uh, in Canada and the States? Yeah, sure. So uh, we raised in 2019, $630,000 on safe notes, convertibles, and, and that's all we raised. We still have money in the bank. Um, we're kind of frugal with our money. And then from a competition perspective, so I'm putting aside other cannabis options that are not an accurate dispenser. Obviously, they're also competition. But looking under dispensing mechanisms, we know about accurate vaping. Dispensing liquid, there's only one company in the States called Aria, um, but they only have one picture in their website, nothing more. I'm not really sure if there's anything more than that. Um, I have not met anybody that has a product like ours, definitely not a working one. So, so I have here a working product because of the screen, it's hard to show, but it's very, very small and it's accurate. So. Krishnan, I can see the wheels spinning. You got a question? Yeah, yeah, I'm just curious as to, you know, what um, studies you've done to determine product market fit um, and and what types of consumers and you know how, how do you uh how are you um i guess defining your addressable market and how does that relate to your revenue projections yeah i i have a lot of answers that will probably be too long to answer here i'll try to kind of summarize a few points i'll start with the fact that it's kind of like you just can see the numbers when you look 
into the numbers in the market here in Canada, you can see that if you take the same type of cannabis oil and put it in a capsule, the price increases by 60%. Yes, six zero, 60%. When you put it in a bottle of spray, which consumers don't really like, the price goes down. So you see there's a method of consumption. Um, we know consumers obviously prefer the, the syringes and droppers over the, the bottles that just give you a drop each time. And that's gonna be the regulation here in Canada. So, so that's from a numbers perspective, we can kind of see there's, there's a need for accuracy and convenience and people are willing to pay 60% more. But we've also done uh, a research where we spread out a, um, like a questionnaire to a bunch of people and we saw uh, increase in intent to purchase by 50% before we explained the product till after. Um, and we also know from one of the licensed producers we're speaking with that 95% of their complaints that they're getting are about their consumers saying that they don't know how to use the syringe. It's not accurate. Mm -hmm. That's great. All right. Well, thank you very much. Well, next up is going to be Sergio with Bud Buds. Sergio is the CEO of Bud Buds. Hi, guys. Deborah, Kit, could you share the screen? Great. My name is Sergio Schrauer. I am in Brazil. I am with Deborah Stephen Kahn, part of the team. They are in Israel. I would like to thank you for the opportunity. We are having some problems here in Brazil in the neighborhood with the internet, so I'm sorry for that. I'd like to, to present you BudBuds. BudBuds is a platform that was built to address problems and gaps that all players in the cannabis market face today somehow. BudBuds IP can be used in any consumer product in the world that is able to carry a QR code, barcode, or a numeric sequence. Uh, we connect the end user to the manufacturer. At this moment, we have focus on the cannabis market due to the wave of legalization around the, around the world. But Buds connect the whole community. We are able to work with B2B as well as B2C. In these slides, but Buds is represented by the arrow that you see here. And the stars of our platform are the individual plant and the grower. This industry faces several challenges today. I will name two. First and very, very important. There is no technical feedback and chat between grower and consumer, which is important for the grower to improve his crop and to the consumer to identify specific plants he wants to consume. Second, there is no tool that can uh, identify exceptional plants. The market today is working with these trains but even the same plant, like clones, as you know, when growth in a different manner can produce different results for the consumer. The fact that we capture the consumer reviews in real time and share them with the growers, pharma and industry is unique. As a consequence, an exceptional plant will generate exceptional value for its grower. And all this process also helps identify qualified growers and provide quality assurance. There are no tools today for small and medium growers that helps them. They are grow that provide traceability and the possibility to learn, enhancing their specific genetics. How did we solve these challenges? By providing top quality technical review in real time from the consumer to the grower. And by sharing the information with the entire supply chain, we created a social platform. Second, but not less important, the reviews automatically generate, by, generate value to the plant 
and by that provide quality assurance to the end user. Also, we capture empirical information from the entire base, from the growers as well as from the consumers. Today, we have already collected the type of information that is very important to all players, such as which are the most cultivated strains, the percentage of indoor, outdoor, and greenhouse, country by country. Huh? And most important, we also track genotypes, phenotypes, symptoms, and pathologies. We have created the most comprehensive tool for growers to manage trace and improve crops. We bring first to market advantage, such as the quality traceability, very, very different from what we have today from C2 sales in the US market and Canada, that is focused on quantity and compliance. And another one is the discount coupon that benefits the entire chain. As you can see here, there are many other apps in the cannabis market, but so far none of them encompasses all the features and service we offer. Which one focuses in a single aspect of the growth? We aim to embrace the entire chain. What we have been able to prove with our platform is traction. With no budget for marketing, we have today over 300,000 downloads, 130,000 users between registered users and visitors. Imagine what we could do in the world's biggest markets, the US, with a marketing budget. This is precisely why, why we are here so excited. The app is already in eight languages and present, and present from Patagonia to Mexico. In seven countries, we are the main tool for home and medium growers like cannabis clubs and cannabis cups. Also, uh, surprisingly enough, we have users in all regions of India. It's unbelievable. Because we have more than 130,000 users and because we connect the whole chain, we have several ways to monetize. We can act as a marketplace offering third-party products just in time. That's mean, at the moment the grower may need a product, we offer it to him. For example, when he presses the button for a new plant, we offer him seeds. If he is trimming his plants, we, we offer him scissors. About data reports, we capture all the information from the whole chain, medicinal and recreational. So we are able to match any data that could be interesting for industry, pharma, doctors, and so on. About the coupons and commission, if the consumer completes a review, he receives a discount coupon and we get a percentage of the discount that was offered to him as a commission. It's one but, minute, but, Sergio, one minute. But Bud is looking to raise at this stage $300,000 to be utilized in launched in the, plot, the, the platform in the US market. It will be spent in marketing, operational costs, and development of new futures. Uh, after that, we plan to have another round of investment to solidify our position in the US and expand also to, all, to other markets. Taking a very conservative growth curve in the next three years, our goal is to reach 1.3 million users. The revenue with these numbers of users is expected to be a bit more than $17 million in revenue with an estimated $60 million in positive cash flow. 
In order to implement this, this project, we are looking for a strategic partner in the US who knows the market better. And uh, this is it. This is our team, the next. This is our team. And uh, some of user reviews, but, but system, thank you very much for the opportunity. Any question, guys? I have a question, Sergio. Thank you very much for that uh, presentation. Can you talk about revenue to date and uh, cover the pricing model a little bit? Okay. Uh, we, we are operating from Mexico to Patagonia. So these are illegal markets. So we, we have been monetizing, but it's peanuts is not something uh, relevant for, for the business. So that's why we need to, to get into a, a regulated uh, market in order to, to, to uh, put in practice our, our model. Because uh, the main product that is cannabis, we cannot, it, it, not, it cannot be sell here in, in, in South America, not even in Uruguay that is legal. We have clubs, we have uh, uh, own home growers. So the, when the government send, sell the plant in, in Uruguay, we cannot, we cannot do anything because the government that is selling, they will not put coupons to sell more or to, to, to say about the, the quality of the plant. So that's why we have, we have today 130,000 uh, 130, users uh, between visitors and, and registered users. And uh, we have a lot of traction, but we cannot put in practice our, our, our business at all, as, as a whole. So the 130,000 users are on a freemium model today? Yes, yes, yes. Most of them, 98% are growers. Clubs and home growers. We have guys in the United States, in Spain, in, in all over the world. But 97% of, of, of our, our public are from Mexico to Patagonia. Excellent. Thank you. My pleasure. Any other questions? All right. I'll just remind you guys, uh, there are some questions in the Q&A as well as the chat. So don't forget to check both Q&A and chat and respond. There are some people throwing out some questions. I also want to make it uh, known that Mandy is throwing out an exclusive offer for a VIP gift bag full of potency number 710 available for all attendees to purchase on Eventbrite up to five o'clock today, Pacific Standard Time. So offering um, you know, $50 uh, or $135 value for only 50 bucks. So take a look at that. Um, all right, so moving on, we got our next uh, featured speaker, which is Lisa Marcus, CEO of Cheech's Private Stash. Lisa. Is Lisa with us? Yes. I'm here. Hi, here everybody. Hi. Nice to see you all. Very interesting to hear from people all around the world with all these exciting projects and uh, we really are becoming a global, uh, a glo global community in the cannabis business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
So I was invited here to speak, and what is it that you want me to speak about? <laughs> Our brand? You know, for anybody who isn't aware of Cheech's private stash, can you kind of just give some folks, sure. since there's Absolutely. so many people from all over the world that may not have already known about it, they've been hiding under a rock. Okay, well, for those of you who don't know Cheech, Cheech Marin, he is the, uh, the funny guy of the Cheech and Chung um, comedy duo. Hold on, I'm just gonna change my screen here. Um, and Cheech and Chong, they're the original, if you will, bad boys of cannabis. Uh, they made that very famous movie Up in Smoke in the 60s and became synonymous with cannabis. And they were always the underground, if you will. But, you know, their devotion to cannabis was not just to be funny and, and be the underground. They truly believed, truly, truly, truly believed in uh, cannabis as a very, very special healing planet. So Cheech, Cheech, I met Cheech about four years ago and we developed a mezcal brand for him called Trace Papalote Mezcal. Mezcal is a agave uh, plant that comes, that grows in Mexico. So we put together this very fun Trace Papalote Mezcal, which Cheech named the Party Mezcal. And uh, we got to know each other. And a couple of years later, Cheech decided that he wanted to launch a cannabis brand because he loves cannabis and really wanted to share his vision of cannabis with the world. And he wanted good product at a great value. Our tagline with the brand is, it will always be good. So that's a promise from Cheech and our company that whatever you get from the Cheech's Stash brand, whether it's cannabis, whether it's CBD, and some other great new projects we're working on, it will always be good. So that's our story. We launched the line a couple of years ago and we're in several states in the country. Uh, right now it's California, Washington State, Oregon, uh, and Colorado. And we are in negotiations in several different states. It's a hush-hush right now until it's all publicized. And uh, we're excited to expand our brand and the story of cannabis through the eyes of Cheech to everybody in the country and then eventually out into the world. And we're particularly excited because we're launching a CBD brand uh, next month with some really, really great products. There are so many different products. How do you guys decide and what have you decided on? Like what goes into that, that criteria of getting to the optimal number of SKUs? What products do you have and how do you make that decision? We make the decision based on what makes sense and what makes sense for Cheech. We want everything really connected, so we're not grasping at straws. If it's not a category that really works for the Cheech persona or that Cheech can get behind, we don't choose it. So for example, uh, in the CBD line, which is really, really fantastic, is that we're working with a group out of Washington State and the recipes come from a Chicano family. And as you all know, Cheech is Chicano. So this family was a business, I guess you would call it. It wasn't even really a business in those days. A hundred years ago, the great grandmother started to collect different recipes for healing, uh, um, uh, what would you call it, from healing plants and put them together. And you know, imagine a hundred years ago, everybody went to like the medicine woman. So somehow through our travels, we met up with uh, somebody who works with this family. Now the grandmother is gone but uh, we're working with the family. So I love the connection of the Chicano medicine woman 
and we now bring it into current days and we'll work with them and we'll have tinctures and we'll have some uh, creams, whether they're muscle creams and lavender creams that are for um, healing skin. So that's how we pick our products. What makes sense for our brand? And everything has to go to Cheech for Cheech approval. Well, some of us investors have an opportunity to maybe license a, a marijuana lounge or a cannabis club, you know, either internationally or domestically. If I'd like to have an opportunity to drink his tequila and, and smoke his joint at the same time, I don't, know, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But mezcal, what would be, not tequila, mezcal. Most mezcal, people say thank you. Well, what are the yes. opportunities? There will be opportunities, absolutely. Uh, right now, we have a friend that has a uh, dispensary out in uh, Palm Desert, and they have a lounge. So we've been talking to them, but there's always opportunities, absolutely. And if you want to get on our site, it's Cheech's Stash or Cheech's Private Stash.com, and there's a little click on to uh, send a little message. It says for investors. But it doesn't have to necessarily be for investors. It could be any questions. We also have just a regular question. But we'd love to talk to people about many different uh, possibilities. And uh, it's already been publicized that there will be Cheech and Chong dispensaries coming uh, within the next year in mm -hmm. certain locations. What about Cheech's art? Is that going to be incorporated into the branding? Absolutely. We always, uh, we always partner with Cheech's uh, uh, artwork. Um, I would say his endeavor. If you uh, ever see our bottle of mezcal, it's a wonderful little bottle. Google it, Trace Papalote Mezcal. And it has a wonderfully funny little man on it. It's called, he's, we call him, affectionately we call him Cuckoo Man. And that image comes from Cheech's art collection. So we work very closely with, with Cheech because he's so committed to his, his art. And for those of you who don't know, Cheech has 800 pieces that he's gathered in the last 10 years of Chicano artwork. And he really put Chicano art on the map. Nobody before him ever really spoke about Chicano art. So he's gathered artists from all over the, uh, the country, particularly from South LA, who have contributed wonderful Chicano artwork to his collection. And he's been granted from the state of California uh, uh, a wonderful space in Riverside, California to create a Chicano art museum, which will house his 800 pieces of artwork. And often he takes that artwork to different places around the world to do exhibits, and the rest of it is in storage. So now it will always all live at a home, and people can come and see it and be with it. And I have to tell you what I've seen from some of the pieces. It's just, it's so rich with uh, Chicano uh, essence and, and all of the, um, the, the, the background and the history of the Chicano uh, movement, if you will. I call it a movement because the Chicano people are very much dedicated to family, to art, to beauty. So yeah, one day we'll get Cheech to talk about it, but uh, we're always excited to support the, the artwork that Cheech does, uh, that Cheech has gathered. Is there, a, is there something about a museum? Yes. So the Riverside Museum in Riverside, California, which is a regular museum, will now be uh, converted into a Chicano art museum. So Cheech is out there raising money, as well as the uh, state of California has given him a grant to open the museum in, I believe it's going to be 2021. 
well, maybe the beginning of 2022, so it's coming up soon. Cheech has been working on it for a really long time, and it will be the home of all of Cheech's Chicano artwork and open to the public, of course. And maybe you'll get a little bit of uh, Trace Mescal, uh, Trace Papalote Mescal when you come through the door. I'm not sure if we can do it with cannabis yet, but you never know. Things are changing. They are. That'd be great. All right. I think I might have uh, time for one question. If there's anybody that has anything that they have to ask, at least right now, otherwise we will move on. You guys can ask in the chat section or Q&A. Take a look. All right. Any questions? Does it look like it? Doesn't look like it. Well, great to be with you all. And uh, from Cheech to everybody here, keep up the good work. Keep cannabis going and moving and growing. And uh, good luck to everybody. Thank you so much, Lisa. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right, next up is going to be a presenting company that's Skip Stone. He's the founder and CEO of Stash Logics. Skip, you're up next. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Uh, and thank you, Lisa. It was an honor to be speaking after uh, Cheech. I watched all of his movies growing up in the 80s, so uh, that is really uh, fascinating. I did see the when Cheech was on last uh, episode, so that was what inspired me to apply to this. Uh, so anyway, um, thank you, rest of the investors and all attendees as well. I know Carrie and David, so special hi to them as well. And I will share my screen. Let's see, here we go. And uh, okay, so as I said, I'm Skip Stone, founder and CEO of Stash Logics. We make the best stash bags in the world. They are thoughtful, secure, and discreet. Thoughtful because we include features no one else thought of. Secure because our patented bags have a lock to keep kids safe. And discreet because we seal the odors with special zippers, gaskets, and liners. And they don't look like stoner products either. That's because we target the new cannabis consumer. That's the business people, the athletes, the baby boomers, soccer moms. That's where we see the real opportunity. Um, speaking of opportunity, we're raising a million dollar, uh, $5 million valuation it's a Series A equity round. We have uh, $690,000 already raised. So we'd love to close around with people here on this call. So let's dive into what investors uh, are interested in. So I'm gonna quickly run through the problem, the market, the competition, traction, financial model, exit, and the team. So first, the problem. Keeping kids safe from edibles sorry, has always been a driving force for us. Edibles need to be locked up around kids, end of story. Um, but historically, cannabis storage has focused on padding, but cannabis is much more than glass pipes. Cannabis is dirty and smelly and sticky, but it's also beautiful and powerful and fragile, and it's not for everybody. So Stash Logics was started to address all these problems, whether it's a road trip to visit the in-laws or camping with family and friends, or just a night on the town. Stash Logics has you covered. And you're not alone. There is actually, what I find, about 220 million cannabis consumers worldwide. And a Marist poll that I saw recently said 50% of them are parents. So we have a niche in a massive market. How are we going to compete? Uh, Competition-wise, we have three competitors already. 
uh, ride bags, dime bags, and skunk bags, uh, but they all target the stoner demographic. There's nothing wrong with that, um, but we're skating to where the puck is going, not where it is. We're talking to the, uh, to the parents, the empowered women, uh, professionals, athletes, and people love the outdoors, people like us. We're a Boulder, Colorado company. People relate to our lifestyle brand. It's aspirational and it's authentic and it's working. We've now sold $3.3 million worth of weed bags and we don't even include the weed. Uh, that's led us to a great financial model. We're now cash flow positive. We are running 64% gross margins and we've done this all in just $590,000 of invested capital. We get ROI. With little limited access to capital, we need to run a tight ship. So, and our brand is really starting to take off. In fact, in the three out of the last four months, we've uh, had our best online sales months. And um, at the rate we're going, we believe exits are gonna be coming sooner rather than later. Uh, we do have a big head start in connecting with the uh, new cannabis consumer. So we expect uh, we'll be in a great position for acquisition. Uh, we're going to be acquired by whoever values brand and uh, they want to partner with the best. So the team that's going to deliver that exit is myself. I'm an engineer. I started Stash Logics to uh, address my own needs. I had two young kids in the house when Colorado legalized cannabis. So I enrolled in the first class of Canopy Boulder uh, with a prototype and uh, Canopy was great. I met a lot of great people, got a lot of connections to the industry, and there I met my lead mentor, Steve Norman. Steve is a serial entrepreneur. Uh, most notable was he was the uh, co-founder and COO of Einstein Bagels. So he knows how to run complicated businesses and he knows how to scale up. So after Canopy ended, Steve joined our team full-time. He's in the trenches with us every day. And um, Blair has an MBA. She kind of keeps the trains running on time. And Isaac is our young gun marketing guru who knows how to uh, connect to uh, our audience and pull the right levers to build our brand online. So kind of with that, I think we've ticked off all the investor boxes. Uh, all our ducks are in a row. We're ready to scale. We're looking for another $310,000 to close our round. Uh, with that money, we're going to be putting a lot of it towards online marketing. That's a channel that we've been able to do extremely well with. We see that if we spend a dollar in online marketing, we get about four and a half dollars back. That's something that we plan to scale up significantly with extra capital. And we're also going to increase our uh, distributor presence, something that we did a uh, bigger play with that a couple of years ago, but cash flow wise, we had to scale that back a little bit. So we like the online market uh, space, but we do still have some, some of the best distributors in the country. Um, and um, all of this is really gonna help us further our mission of helping break the cannabis stigma. Um, we do that by offering products that are functional, responsible, and discreet, so cannabis consumers can go about living their life without judgment. And um, I urge you to go check out our website. We've got a lot of innovative products. We really are a leader in this space. And um, I guess with that, I'd love to take some questions. Got a question. Thank you, Skip. That was a, an excellent presentation. Uh, a big fan of the brand. Uh, I've got 
make uh, one of the products myself, one of the stash bags myself, use it, and it's great. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, the odor protection and how that works and maybe what differentiates Stash Logics from some of the other competitors that you've mentioned? Sure, uh, I'd love to. We were really one of the first in the space to tackle odor absorption and odor blocking. So we do it in a lot of different ways. Uh, we first started with, with blocking odors and we really do like that approach. There's, we also use some uh, odor absorbing fabric, activated carbon. We've recently switched to an activated carbon fiber fabric, which uh, actually I'm an engineer and I came from the water treatment industry and, and activated carbon has a lot of um, exceptional properties for, for doing lots of things with impurities and odor compounds, but uh, particularly this new product called activated carbon fiber fabric uh, has even much more, much better properties than activated granular carbon. So. So we include that um, and we include seals, we include metal lined bags. Uh, we do a lot of things that are trying to block and trap the odors. It's a, a very challenging aspect, but something that everybody needs. So there's a, a lot of opportunity there, but we've uh, been innovating and um, we, we continue to innovate. Thank you for that. And congratulations on the traction and the revenue thus far. Thank you. Yeah. Can you, uh, uh, to piggyback a little bit off of Dave's um, question, by the way, I just went to your website and um, really cool product lineup you've got. Um, can you speak to uh, your, um, your patent portfolio? Is there any distinct IP that, um, that holds value, uh, particularly as, as uh, you would look towards an exit, I would assume that, um, you know, it, not only do you have a great product, but it's defensible. Right, so we do have IP. We have a design patent on a bag with an integrated lock. Um, we do have some people that are uh, are copying us. Uh, we have some threatening letters sent to them. We may decide to go after them at some point, but uh, cash flow wise, we have not other than sending them notices. Um, we have other patents that are in submission. It's something that we plan to do, but ultimately we are a brand company and we are fully focused on a brand play. IP can help slow competitors down and other things, but um, at the end of the day, we're not an IP company. It's fully a, a brand, but we're, we're innovating. Everything that we do is unique and new. We have not copied anybody um, and we have a lot of great products in development. So uh, that's... Yeah. 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 Okay. That, that being the case, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll ask a quick follow-up in terms of uh, in terms of you know getting the brand out. Um, how what are you doing in terms of marketing and, and reaching your uh, end consumer? Right. So our most successful has been Facebook marketing. We spend a dollar on Facebook, we get four and a half dollars back. Um, it's been very scalable, and we think that we can ramp that up uh, very quickly. Otherwise. That, that is what is fueling our wholesale. We're in probably the best, almost all of the best dispensaries in the country, from Cure Leap to Harvest to, um, uh, there's really almost all of them. Um, Michigan, Ohio, Oklahoma, California, we're, we're in a lot of, and a lot of that is driven by our online marketing. We know who cannabis consumers are, we get our brand out in front of them. That drives our wholesale. Distribution is a low-hanging, easy 
to, uh, to deal with. We plan to ramp that up when cash flow, uh, when we have some more capital. So, um, but online is, is really where we wanna be and we think that's the best place for us to scale. Appreciate it. Thanks, Gip. Really neat stuff. Yeah, thanks. Um, I do have a question for the uh, investors. I'm curious, and one of the reasons we do we are raising more money, and, and we'd love to close this round. Well, we will be closing this round in probably another month or um, maybe a couple of weeks past that. But what I'm most curious about now that I have some investors here is what are what would you want to see from a company like ours as a Series B round? You know, our, our next raise. What kind of metrics would you we constantly are trying to figure out do we want do we look at revenue do we look at um at margins we're we're trying to play both sides of the fence here we're doing really well we've done it mostly bootstrapping it but uh, um i'd love to know what i know tech has been a different play and it's usually all about um just get numbers and i'd, I'd be curious to know what numbers people care about the most in, in a play like this I'll answer that. So to us, it's, it's, you know, for a brand, it's going to be revenue and the traction that you're seeing. So it, it, you know, for a product like yours, one of the, I guess, challenges is because it's so well made, um, you know, the, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say one and done, you know, because there's, there's other items where I might buy it as a gift for, for somebody because it's, you know, it, it works really well. Um, we like to see traction and then return customers as well, um, you know, when it comes to brands. Uh, for Series B, I think we're going to be looking more towards that, you know, how close you are in reality to an exit. And, you know, maybe it's going to be to one of the bigger bag companies, you know, I'm not sure, but maybe like a Jansport or someone like that who's got a bigger, you know, bigger audience, uh, bigger distribution. I think that's potentially what you would need to bring on before getting to a series B. We'd also look at who you have on the board at that point, um, those kinds of things. But it's a great question. That, and, and I love the fact that you're asking that of the, uh, of the investors. And I, I encourage all, all the presenters to ask us questions as well, because you know, it, it's, it's always a matter of, of fitting both ways when it comes to investment into a company. A lot of us on the, on the Zoom call today do add a lot of value other than just allocating capital. And so it is very important that we are matched up with, uh, with the right uh, operators and vice versa. So I commend you for that, Skip. Okay, thanks. Yeah, the reason I ask is we, we are running really strong margins. Our products are well made, but we are, we've done a very good job of sourcing. So uh, we, we just wanna make sure that we're, if it's revenue, there's reason for us to reduce our price and increase our revenue, which is easy to do. Uh, we do have, to your point about a one and done, we do have a lot of products made for all sorts of things. And I kind of talked a lot about bags, but uh, really some of our products that are really taking off are some of our jars and humidity, um, humid door jars, called, we call them smart jars. And some of those are low price. So we do innovative things for all sorts of cannabis storage items. Uh, our company could morph as the brand gets bigger. A lot of people ask us for different things, but we've kind of kept our focus in storage realm. But um, Skip, you got a couple of questions in the uh, in the chat area, so I'm going to remind everyone that there are some Q and A's and some questions in the chat, like uh, scalability. Skip, so if you want to jump over to chat and answer the 
scalability questions as well as any other Q&A from any other uh, panelists out there. Need to move on to the next presenting company, which is Sophia So. She's a founder of So Green. Sophia. Hi, everyone. Um, let's start. So, hi, everyone. I hope you're all doing well. I'm from the Netherlands. Uh, my name is Sophia So, and my company is one of the candidates that have applied for the exclusive license to cultivate cannabis and sell this to coffee shops in the Netherlands. So, in this experiment, uh, the relevant ministries will select a maximum number of 10 growers and issue those selected an exclusive license to cultivate cannabis and sell this to 79 coffee shops from participating municipalities over a period of five years. From the moment that the experiment starts, all participating coffee shops are obligated by law to only buy cannabis from licensed growers. The application period opened July 1st and uh, had its deadline on July 28th. And so Green has submitted its business plan accordingly. And we believe that we have a high potential to obtain this license. Now, Bundrong Ith and I are the founders of So Green, and we have, we have made sure that the business plan that we have submitted checks all the formal, material, and legal requirements in accordance with all the rules of the experiment. We have been assisted by our incredible So Green team, whereas every one of us has its own expertise, which makes So Green uh, able to lead by example and keep the Dutch reputation high. Now, our practical and suitable location has a total service of 11,000 square meters divided in office space and 9,300 square meters uh, industrial hall used for the cultivation process. On location, we also have a special entrance for transport vehicles. So the transfer of our products will only be taking place behind closed doors. Um, the whole design of the construction uh, of the industrial hall can be found in our business plan, but in short, we plan to grow vertically because this way we would be able to make very efficient use of the space and we would also be able to expand any time um, by adding more levels as our industrial hall has the capacity to be expanded to grow up to three levels. Also, as a requirement, all licensed growers must be able to produce at least 10 different varieties. So we have made a classic selection of varieties that represent the 10 most popular varieties for decades and are available on almost every coffee shop menu. In addition, and even more important, as the coffee shop license holders are the ones that decide demand, so Green will have cannabis varieties available on special request. So this way we'll be maintaining the relationships with the coffee shop license holders by being able to supply exactly what they sell. This would work by having so green. Um, this would work by having a coffee shop request a specific variety for which we will provide a sample and produce a whole batch after approval from the from the coffee shop license holders. And this way, we would be able to coordinate our supply exactly to the demand of the coffee shops. And I just really want to emphasize uh, how much important so green gives to maintaining the relationships with the coffee shop license holders as they will be our clients and it is up to them to decide if they want to buy from so green or not so as an additional advantage we have team members uh, one of them who has been working in the coffee shops uh, as a trusted advisor since 1989 and he, 
it has made us uh, made it possible for so green to have already established supply agreements with the eight local coffee shops in Breda once uh, so green obtains the license so our team of experts will be leading the cultivation and make it a success by bringing and sharing their experience in large-scale uh, cannabis cultivation with so green both gentlemen have over 15 years experience in controlled environment agriculture and horticulture for indoor as well as greenhouses for various plants and vegetables and are responsible for many success stories. Will Lammers has been a leader in technology implementation for large-scale cannabis cultivation since 2013 from the uh, start of the legalization in Denver, USA. And Damien Solomons has brought best-of-class procedures, processes and technology into the cannabis industry also since 2013 where he was the consultant to the first Canadian license holders, um, Tilray and Tweet, uh, I think also known as Canopy um, now. And both gentlemen are well-known cultivation experts in not only the United States and Canada, but worldwide. So it is a pleasure to have both gentlemen on, uh, in our team, uh, leading our cultivation team. Uh, as a matter of fact, I believe that Damien and Will are also here as attendants. So hi, Will. Hi, Damien. Um, so these numbers summarize our financial projections. A licensed grower must be able to produce at least 6,500 kilograms, but it's not obligated to actually produce this number immediately as the coffee shops will enter a transitioning period. So this means that it's up to us to determine uh, the production volume in line with supply and demand of the coffee shops. And so Green intends to therefore produce 4,000 kilograms in total for the first year. Uh, the first year is actually year two in a table because the first year is the uh, preparatory phase and the second year is the transitional phase. And um, so the first, uh, the second year reflects the uh, production of which we will be 100% sure that can be supplied. So this table could be viewed as based on minimum production uh, volumes. One minute, Sophia. So the only thing we are looking for right now are investors who are willing to sign a declaration of intent to invest once so Green obtains the license. So no obligation or any investment shall be made under strict condition of obtaining the license. So if you would be interested to learn more, I have our business plan available in English, which reflects what we have submitted in our application. Also, the Dutch government welcomes foreign investment. So they have published all the rules and requirements in English. So um, I would also be able to provide you with this document. Our financial projections and term sheet will also be available on request. So please feel free to contact me on Sophia at SoGreen.eco. And I thank you all so much for your attention. Do you have any questions? Hi, Sophia, this is Carrie. I, I do have a couple questions. I'm not sure I completely understand the pricing mechanism here. Of course, I understand uh, supply and demand and how that fluctuates and impacts pricing. But in this environment with the government involved, is there going to be competitive pricing per kilo? And will that, who sets that pricing? And how are you figuring that into your financial productions? Well, there will be a maximum of 10 growers that will be uh, that shall supply the coffee shops in the Netherlands. And yes, the coffee shops are obli obligated by law to 
only buy from the licensed growers. However, it is up to the coffee shop license holder uh, to decide from which grower they will be buying. And also the, the current pricing that we have um, based our uh, financial projections on is based on the current price that is being sold uh, to the coffee shops as of right now. And this is a, uh, an average price of around four to four and a half euros per gram uh, to the coffee shops because in the coffee shops, um, the cannabis is being sold for around 10 euros per gram. So basically, yes, it's based on the current uh, price of the coffee shop, uh, of what the coffee shops are paying right now to the current suppliers. Thank you, Sophia. I have a question uh, and, and kind of a comment. So at the very end of your presentation, you have, uh, you write that success is guaranteed if the license is uh, secured. I, I caution against any time, you know, guaranteeing anything like that, but, but you know, maybe I misunderstood. What, what do you mean by that? No, I understand you. It's just that I strongly believe that our um, business plan does reflect exactly what um, the government would like to see out of this experiment. So this is why I am very, um, very, um, I very much trust our plan in the sense that it will comply with all requirements because uh, there will be two reviews. The first one is the formal review to see if you check all the, uh, just the formal requirements and then they will see uh, the check the material requirements to see how practicable and how um, realizable um, this plan is. So for example, one of the requirements of this experiment is that the, the, the growers in so green or any, any other grower company would have experience with plants and vegetables in general. However, as cannabis is a different type of uh, plant, we actually do have cannabis experts um, which we think is a huge advantage in uh, comparison with all the other uh, applicants because they, uh, well, the Netherlands is a top company in the agriculture and horticulture. However, they do not have any experience on cannabis. So to have Will Lammers and Damien Solomon on our team is um, one of our um, main advantages. Any other questions? All right, Sophia, thank you very much. I want to thank all of our presenting companies today. I think that marks all of them. And so now we are at the point where we get to vote. So six companies enter the investor hot seat, but only one leaves as a winner. So right now you have on your screen an opportunity to vote. So vote for which one you think is the best company is there any uh, judges out there that have their vote in that want to explain why they made their choice? Frank, who'd you vote for and why? Hey, so I went with Voyager. Uh, their presentation was, um, I, I thought it was top notch. Uh, a couple of other companies I think have good concepts. Event High is definitely uh, on top of my list there, but Voyager, um, the, the concept I, I get what they're trying to do. And I, I believe that they'll be very successful um, if they can get 
the, the capital and, you know, everything that they need together. Yeah, the data was really exciting. I'm looking forward to yeah. what that's going to look like. Um, so I'm looking forward to speaking to a lot soon. <laughs> yeah. Krishnan, unmute yourself first, please. Thank you. Yeah, for some reason, it's not letting me vote here, but um, my, my pick was Stash Logics. You know, I think that um, I'd like to dig in a little bit more and understand their, their patent portfolio, but, um, you know, I think that they've got a, um, they've got a, a proven product with a clear product market fit, great gross margins. Um, it, you know, one of the questions that I'd like to, uh, you know, that uh, I would have asked is, um, how do you plan on scaling up in terms of, uh, you know, the supply chain, um, as well as, you know, any distribution agreements to be able to expand your footprint. Um, but I thought that Stash Logics was, was very easy to understand and, and uh, again, had, has proven product market fit um, out there where, you know, Voyager uh, was very interesting to me, but uh, I, I'm still, um, you know, it's still a bit early as far as from what I can see in terms of whether the market is going to uh, want a product like this. Um, you know, there have been other there have been other like pod based uh, products that have come out that also have a mobile app and uh, and in my personal experience and having mobile app attached to a device, I just don't use the mobile app um, and I, I just try to keep everything simple, but. I don't know if other consumers are like me or or um, or want that level of detail, but um, those are the two that that stood out to me. As well as Event High, I think I think they've got a great uh, business, and you know, I uh, my questions there are going to be around you know how do they transition from here, um, um, but and also how do they achieve their what I thought was pretty lofty revenue targets over the next five years. Um, but you're going with Stash Logics, so I'm going with Stash Logics. Appreciate Correct. the feedback on that, Matthew. What's your uh, business of choice and why? Well, uh, my business of choice is one that Krishnan thinks is a good business because his team does all of our underwriting and <laughs> deal work. So I'm going to go with Stash Logics. But you know, it's such early days, friends. Let me just tell you this: November's uh, what 70 days away that election, and it's going to be critical for everybody. Doesn't matter what you do, you really got to pay attention there. So if you're in this market, you should be expecting potentially a flurry of activity. Uh, I think regardless, you will in some direction, uh, maybe not exactly in those last 30 days after the election for the end of the year, but certainly in first quarter next year, you have to expect that. Really pay attention to what happens in November, but all of every, everybody on here pitching, I think you're in a good place to be ready for that moment, but be paying attention to it. And don't be surprised if not a lot happens before then, because people are really wanting to see some things there. But uh, very interesting across the board. I'll follow Krishnan's lead in this particular topic, as well as our friends Doug and David. We've done so many deals together. And John, good to see you again. Um, but it's this community. It's this community. And this is exactly what we need right now. Collaboration, looking at these deals together, having all of our hands on this. Because guess what? You're talking equity. Everyone on here is talking equity right now. And that's what we do. And that's what these other investors do. And we're long equity. So we're here to the very end. We need the whole thing to work. We need the entire thing to work. If the whole thing doesn't work, it's not going to be good. I think that we all agree. It's all going to work and it's going to move forward. So we're doing it together. That's what this is about. 
what a great what a great panel. It's fun to do this collaboration together. Likewise, thank you, Matthew. Carrie, what is your company of choice and why? Okay, if you can unmute yourself first. I'm always that person who starts talking while I'm mute. Somebody's got to do it. First, I want to say thank you to all the presenters. I think you did a great job. I really admire your grit, determination, and poise. It takes a lot of courage to get up here and talk about what you've done. I know you've all poured so much of your, your life, soul, and energy into your companies. As I said at the top of the hour, Voyager is a client of Supercritical, so I am going to recuse myself from voting for Voyager. My choice then is Stash Logic. I think Skip knows his customers extremely well. He knows his numbers really well. He understands the market and the industry in which he's competing. He's identified his risks, and I think that there really is a huge need for the products that he's selling. In terms of collaboration, I would love to see Voyager's pods and dispensers up there on the Stash Logics website for sale. I think you guys would make a, a, a great selling effort. And I look forward to seeing all of your companies continue to grow. And I wish you all the very best in your fundraising. Thank you, Carrie. Hey, John, what is your company of choice and why? Interestingly, um, I like Voyager because I know Elat Burke from my previous life and uh, I know how competent he is. And uh, the other man, people that he's working with on the surface to me seem competent as well. Um, I'd have to try the product. I'd have to taste it, evaluate the effects, right? I think the valuation is a little rich. Nevertheless, I think he's got something good there. Uh, my second choice would have been Stash Logics as well. Uh, I think it's a great concept. I didn't have a chance to ask because my internet froze on me, but I wanted to know whether or not something like this, this stash logic, whether or not it was medically sealed so you wouldn't smell anything. But other than that, uh, those are my choices. But I think the other presenters are good too. This is just personal preferences. You know? It doesn't mean anything. I mean, um, without getting into a long spiel, I think this group actually has been a, I've got a good, some really good companies here. Uh, some of the judges here are excellent judges. I've been in situations in the past where I'd have guys yell at me, I want P, not PR, you know, or there's too much water in your balance sheet, you know, <laughs> that kind of nonsense, right? So good questions. I want to commend all of you. Take care. Thank you, John. Doug, what do you got? Um, <clears throat> I guess I would really have to go. Well, first of all, let me start out with, um, I think everybody did a great job presenting. I enjoyed listening to every, everyone's presentation. And listen, at the end of the day, it's really hard to get your message across in the six or seven minutes that you're presenting. There's just so much information. I mean, we can sometimes, before we pull the trigger on making a decision on a company, have easily 40 to 50 hours of underwriting. So, you know, it's not fair to say that one company is, is going to out succeed uh, any others. But um, based on the presentations, I would definitely say that Stash, Stash Logics presented themselves the best. He was extremely punchy. You know, 3.3 million in revenues, 64% gross margins, 590,000 raised to date. I mean, that's what you need to do in a short period of time if you're going to capture the attention of an investor. And then once the hook is set, then you can go in and you can drill down to find out, you know, exactly if this meets 
the needs of the investor that's looking to place the investment as far as portfolio strategy and, and diversification, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I also did like uh, Voyager. I like the technology. I think that the industry is definitely moving towards um, towards uh, that arena where there is going to be measured dosing so that people, especially with medical conditions, they're not taking 20 milligrams when they uh, should only be taking five or 10 to function properly. So the collection of that data and the, and the collection of um, what exactly to use for whatever condition, whether it be recreational or medical, I definitely think is where the industry is moving in the future. Thank you, Doug. And David Hess, I think you're the last one. What's your company and why? I'm going to go with Stash Logics as well. And uh, I really echo what Doug just said. Now, first of all, you know, Skip it, it really just presented, I think, the best. And uh, that's not to, to say anything about the others. Um, but do take note, it, as Doug said, it, it's very difficult to, to get the information out. Uh, it's important to understand when you're speaking with investors, specifically what the investors are looking to hear. And I think Skip is, might have a little bit more experience with that. And maybe that's why it came out so clear, but really kudos to you for doing that, Skip. I, that said, uh, I really do like uh, all the presenting companies. I think uh, So Green has a lot of potential should they win the license. Uh, and I think that uh, we'd like to follow that and, and see where that goes. Um, Event High is a great platform, uh, a little bit early for us, but uh, we'd like to follow that one as well. Um, a lot, of, I think it's going to be a little bit tricky um, getting the exact dosage, in particular, since it's not. Uh, the oil basically that you're filling the that you're filling your razors with the the razor blade with uh, are out of your control and when something's out of your control like that uh, it does get a little trickier and uh, as John had mentioned the 20 million is a little bit rich uh, for for someone this early for us that said um, I think you're you're hearing a lot of the investors like the concept um, and some of the problems that you're tackling. Uh, are great and, and do in fact need to be addressed. BudBeds is another great one as well. Um, I think that uh, the focus should really be on, you know, revenue and continuing to really build up their base uh, in the meantime. And uh, we'd like to follow that as well. And uh, of course, uh, Davina's got a great product. Um, and uh, I, for that one, I, I, you know, when it comes to product, I need to, to try it. And so I really do love uh, what what uh, Mandy is doing by creating that uh, VIP package and, and sending it out so investors and those in the audience could really try it. Um, that would be what I would need to do. And uh, but but I do love the story and I do love her passion and uh, I'm going to follow that one as well. And so kudos to everybody for for coming on today and being part of the hot seat. And uh, please feel free to reach out to us. Um, again, we're more than just the capital side, but we're also uh, Trust Solutions. And um, we'd love to see if we can support some of you until that time that we can uh, allocate funding. Brilliant. Isn't that one of the best things about our industry, the diligence process, especially with the products. So uh, <laughs> don't forget about us out there, everybody. We love to try things out. <laughs> All right, well, it looks like we've got our numbers in. So everyone's voted 
and it's split. So looks like the investor judges about almost two thirds picked Stash Logics. I personally would have picked uh, Voyager because of the data. I think that's really exciting, a really quick exit strategy and um, something that investors have been looking for for a long time with accurate dosing and technology. So congratulations to everybody. I think with uh, Stash Logics winning the uh, investor judges picks. And event high at 26% is the winner for uh, crowd favorite. So congratulations to event high as well as Stash Logics and really everyone for just coming out. You guys, everyone deserves uh, an award. <laughs> so I want to thank everyone, you know, the sponsors, the speakers, investor judges, the presenting companies, marketing partners, everybody listening as well. I appreciate it. I want to remind everybody also that, um, we are giving uh, at least 65% off for uh, some products there. So if you want to take a look, uh, Mandy's got some, some good products and she's going to be giving some discounts until five o'clock today. So definitely take her up on that opportunity. Also the networking uh, we'll get to in a moment. Um, want to remind everybody that you can review the investor hot seat presentations that you saw today at the investorhotseat.com website in addition to email so you can contact everybody just like, you know, David said, we, we do more than just capital in a lot of cases. But make sure that your calendars are clear for the next event. That's the Hemp Opportunity Speaker and Investor Pitch Competition. That's September 29th. There's also the next Investor Hot Seat on October 29th. So we're seeking some companies that want to present as well as investor judges and media partners as well. So you can find that information at the CannabisInvestingForum.com as well as InvestorHotSeat.com. And so now is time for networking. So this is a reminder, you're going to need to register for that new Zoom meeting link and access to the networking rooms. It's posted in the chat right now. And the link can also be found on the agenda page on investorhotseat.com. And look forward to seeing you guys all in the networking room. So thank you very much, everybody, investors, companies, attendees, everybody listening. Appreciate you guys showing up. Until the next time, I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Investor Hot Seat. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms podcast. I started the Pop Moms podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.